Welcome into the Horror's Edge podcast. My name is Phil. And I'm Stacy. And today we're going to be uh, doing a uh, review and breakdown of Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. This is going to be episode 4 for us. This is a uh, probably 10th, 20th, 30th time view for me. First. First for Stacy. Uh, obviously on the last episode, uh, you found out she had no idea that Michael Myers is not in this movie. And spoiler, if, uh, you have not seen this, I am going to be discussing that a little bit even before I get to the, uh, spoiler section. So if you want to know absolutely nothing about this movie, go check it out before hearing anything about this and then stop back and tune in and listen, because I am going to be discussing that even before I get to the review. Uh, Michael Myers is not in Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. It, which, uh, as a matter of fact, is why this movie tanked in the box office. Uh, so, John Carpenter wanted nothing to do with Halloween 2. He didn't want to make it. He didn't want Michael Myers to come back. He just wanted it to be a complete open-ended story like it ended in Halloween 1. Uh, obviously, I am going to discuss one and two a little bit in this, so if you haven't seen those, keep that in mind. Um, so at the end of Halloween 1, it clearly shows Michael Myers is still alive. Yes. He gets up from when he falls out of the balcony, and that's when credits roll. You don't know where he is. He's just gone. He's alive. Halloween 2 picks up right from there, and it ends with Michael Myers is dead. Sam Loomis is dead. There's really not much of a question about it. Building explodes. Loomis is just a human. They make that very clear, and he's in the heart of the explosion. And Michael Myers is not only in the explosion, but then they show his body burning to a crisp at the end, well after he fell down and started burning. Yep. So that was uh, John Carpenter's basically demand. If he comes back for Halloween 2, they really want Michael Myers back, that's fine but I'm going to kill him and then that's going to be the end of it because he wanted Halloween to be an anthology series. He wanted every single Halloween movie to be a different story related to Halloween. Really cool idea. Um, and this that's one a concept it is. And this one, uh, they tried getting him back in and he said, sure, I'll come back, but I'm not doing Michael Myers. So he, uh, helped, uh, produce this. Obviously Halloween is his title. It's his name. Um, so, he was convinced to be able to do this movie. Um, and it kind of, uh, it's completely out in left field, very different from what Halloween is. It's not about a individual serial killer. It's not about anything like that. It's about a psychopath and craziness, which we'll get into. I think that's why it threw me off. Cause even though I know Michael Myers wasn't going to be in the movie, it just, was way out there yeah and it was hard for me to focus so that's probably why in my opinion i didn't rate it very high well we will get to the ratings in a little bit um but th this movie was vastly different from what the first two movies were and it did uh tank in box offices as a matter of fact in the promotional material they actually showed michael myers in the promotional material for this so imagine being a fan of halloween one and two hearing the third ones coming out Seeing a teaser or a trailer and Michael Myers is in it. You pay your money, you go see the movie, and Michael Myers is not in it. I'd be pissed. I'd be pissed, too. I'd be giving negative word of mouth, and uh, I would make sure to everybody that I know that hasn't seen this movie yet, don't see it. Yep. But um, it kind of brings the idea of 
most directors love creativeness. They love being able to be creative. That's what made them come up with such crazy ideas for these movies to begin with. Think of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, one of the most original ideas out there. Somebody in your dream, somebody in your nightmare is able to kill you while you're sleeping. Because how are you going to escape that? You have to sleep. Then they make that very clear throughout the movies. You have to. Like, if not, you're going to die anyway. Yeah, it's a human basic. Um, so then come the second one, what do you do? Oh, well, we do the same thing. Come the third one, what do you do? Oh, well, we're going to do the same thing. Come the sixth one, what do you do? Well, we're going to do the same thing. Um, look at Friday the 13th. Uh, kids, teenagers camping in the woods. Very common thing, especially back in the 80s when these movies came out because he didn't have all the electronics and craziness that we have today. Um, so the first one comes out. I would say pretty creative movie. It's not insanely creative, but definitely ahead of its time. Second one comes out. What do you do? The same thing, except now we have Jason. Third one, what do you do? Same thing. Fourth. Eighth. <laughs> well, we'll do the same thing, but now we'll be in space. <laughs> so the creativity in these franchises really tends to go downhill as these movies continue. Some of the ones that try different things get shit on for it. Some of them very rightfully so. Like when you look at the Hellraiser movies, the first two are very similar and they start vastly becoming different. But they become vastly different in vastly bad ways. Um, so it just kind of brought a neat little thought to my mind of when you have these franchises, how different as a fan are you okay with it being? Because obviously you're coming to this franchise for a reason. If I came into Halloween 3 expecting Michael Myers, I'd like it to be a different storyline. I don't want him just finding a different group of babysitters and following them and then killing them off one by one. But I would want Michael Myers to be there because it's under the Halloween uh, title. Yet, for me, I love this movie. But... I did not watch it for a very long time because I knew that this is the one that people shit on. This is the one that uh, Michael Myers isn't in it. Don't waste your time. So I didn't. Uh, it was actually not until probably three years ago that I watched this for the first time. And I've seen every other uh, Halloween movie up till that point. And when I saw it, I was like, that's a really good movie as a standalone movie. If you take the word Halloween out of there and you just call this Seasons of the Witch... That's a really neat movie. And I think that's where I got hung up because I knew it was a Halloween franchise movie. I even put that in my notes. Yeah. How does this fit in with Halloween? It doesn't. It has a couple little fun tie-in things to it, um, but they're very, very loose and kind of make it seem like it's in the same universe. And in a sense, it kind of reminded me of the Conjuring universe. Uh, you have your mainline series, you have The Conjuring, you have The Conjuring 2, very much the same style of movie. But then you have your spinoffs of The Conjuring, you have Annabelle, and that has three or four movies inside of it with very loose ties to The Conjuring universe. They're there, obviously, it talks about Annabelle in the first movie. You see Annabelle throughout several of the movies, but the storyline has nothing to do with the main storyline and the others. Uh, it has the nun, very important character in Conjuring 2 but then it, it's not like 
the Conjuring 2 depends on the Nun to be the Conjuring 2. The Conjuring 2 is Conjuring 1 Part 2. Yeah. Uh, but then it gives a spinoff. So I think that, that the Conjuring uh, pretty much figured out a good way to keep these movies flowing without just having the Conjuring 18. You know, so we have the spinoff movies. I think that there's maybe nine movies inside of that uh, universe, and they all have very loose ties to each other. But the only ones that really have continuity to each other is Ed and Lorraine Warren. But the stories are very different as you go between them, except for the tie-offs will have their own sequels, which is a pretty cool thing to do. So you have Annabelle, but then there's, I think, four Annabelle movies. You have The Nun. Uh, that has its own thing. You got uh, Curse of La Llorona and a few others. So it's pretty cool how they're able to do that. And that's something that I wish that Halloween maybe did with their series instead. Instead of only focusing on uh, Michael Myers, maybe as a spinoff, they could have done something with Dr. Loomis. Yeah. And I think that would have been pretty cool. Maybe uh, different movies based on the different patients that he had. That would have been a really neat little spinoff for them to have instead of calling this a Halloween movie, setting expectations super high, and, and then pe- people only be letting down solely based on the title of the movie. Yeah. So with that being said, let's dive into the movie a little bit. Halloween 3 came out in 1982, just one year after Halloween 2. So this was very fresh in the minds of people who saw Halloween 2 and they were craving for more. They wanted more Michael Myers. Uh, obviously, uh, Halloween 2 was a very big commercial success. So the uh, studio put this into fast forward, got the movie made, and... I think because a lot of the shortcomings that I discussed, it's only a 5.1 on IMDb, um, pretty low rating. It actually doesn't have a lot of reviews compared to a lot of the other Halloween movies um, at all. It has uh, 53,000 reviews compared to the first Halloween, which is in the hundreds of thousands. So it's a very, very big difference. And this is where the series starts taking a obvious turn before going back into the uh mainstream um what did you think of the movie because i know me and you have very different opinions on this it might change with rewatch for you but on the first watch what did you think well first i have to say it's a perfect day for a horror movie mm-hmm. it's rainy it's dark it's windy really my day sets, sets the mood my kind of day terrible um, day <laughs> <laughs> so before you get into your actual number, the way that we rate this is 1 through 10. 1 is complete dog shit. Do not put this movie on because you're completely wasting your time. 5 is average. You can throw the movie on, leave it in the background. It, it is what it is. It's acceptable. It's not great. And 10 is this is unworldly good. This is a horror classic and it needs to be in everybody's Halloween cycle. Where do you have it? So I judge this pretty harshly. I put it at a 4. Okay. Uh, I said it was boring. The story was so out of left field that you almost get lost. You're trying to figure out what's kind of going on, and they move on to the next scene. The acting wasn't good. It was over the top. Didn't fit in with the franchise. Graphics were dated, but to be understood. And I thought the kills that they had were super lame. Okay. How okay. did you rate it? I gave it an 8 out of 10. I wow. really, really enjoyed this movie. To me, this is on par with Halloween 1. 
Uh, I gave that an 8 out of 10 as well. I kind of cheated and looked at that too before I wrote down my rating because this obviously is not better than the first one. I'm not going to lie and say that it is. The first one is a classic, but uh, it's definitely not worse either to me. The acting is not great. I'll give it that. They're very 80s actors. Uh, Tom Atkins does the best as Dan. Chow is the main character. I've been calling him Dr. Dan the whole time that I've been writing it down just because it seems goofy like his character. Like, oh, he got a drunk guy and he's going to drink whenever he gets a chance. But, it, I mean, it, it, it's fun. It's a fun movie. The whole thing has balls. Everything about this movie screams it has balls. Between the things that they're doing in the movie the concept behind what they're doing, the fact that they pull some of the shit off that they pull off, the practical effects are holy shit. <laughs> um, and the fact that they are they made a Halloween movie without Michael Myers, I, I commend it for that. I yeah, really that, do. That's true. That's uh, true. The amount of shit that John Carpenter must have gotten from the studio for saying, no, I'm not doing it. You can make another movie if you want to, but it's not going to have Michael Myers because I own that. Yeah. Uh, and then them just saying, all right, fuck it, let's do this. So to me, this movie is an 8 out of 10. I love this movie. Ever since I put it in the first time only three years ago, I probably have seen it 20 times by then. That's um, impressive. I throw it in quite often. It's one that if I need a movie in the background while I'm laying in bed before going to sleep, this is a perfect one for it. It's not one that you need to pay close attention to. The details don't matter too much. It's just a good, fun hour and 40 minutes to me. Um, so from here, let's get into spoilers and break this thing down scene by scene. So once again, if you have not seen this movie, please go see it. It's on Peacock right now streaming. So Peacock's cheapest shit. You can get it up there or any of your uh, video on demand services. Most of them have it, especially leading up to Halloween season. Um, so the three main, uh, people in here, there's a whole bunch more, but you have, uh, the characters of Dan Chalice played by Tom Atkins, Ellie, uh, Grimbridge played by Stacey Nolkin and Cochran played by Dan O'Halley. Um, I think that all three of them did an okay enough job. None of them jumped out as being phenomenal throughout the movie. None of them jumped out as being terrible. Um, the lines that they were given sometimes were just stupid. The, the direction that they were told to go in wasn't the best. But at the same time, they played their role exactly like I think that they should have played it. Yeah, I can agree with that. So the introduction of this movie was the title card itself. There was no actual scene before the title card. And it's high-pitched noises with a static TV. Um and it, it was just going pixel by pixel, building what well, you didn't really know what it was, but it turns out being a pumpkin. It's a pretty cool little homage to the first two movies because now all three of them have a pumpkin in the title card throughout the entire thing. Yep, I like that. I think that they did it pretty neat. This one actually started pretty far back compared to the other one. So we started on October 23rd, and this movie is set in Northern California. So the... Movie kicks off after the title card with a shot in the middle of the night with a bridge in the background. And then all of a sudden you see somebody coming from the background sprinting up towards the camera. Obviously scared, keeps looking behind him. He has a pumpkin mask in his pocket as well, which looks very out of place. Yeah. Um, it took me a minute to figure out what was in his pocket. Yeah. So he's hiding behind a car. 
obviously scared. Then you see a man in the suit in the background. Um, and the man in the suit ends up jumping this guy and starts strangling him. But he's able to uh, grab the chalks off of a car, which crushed the guy. And he just kind of like sits there and takes it. Yeah, like, I thought it, it was very odd. It was very odd. Uh, with no explanation at this point, it seems very weird. But he just sat there. He looked over. He saw it. And then he looked forward again like, oh, I guess this is what's happening. Yeah. So uh, we're now a little bit uh, later. And now it switches over to... A gas station. I think that it said one hour later. Um, and while we're in the gas station, you see the uh, gas attendant inside. Obviously, it's the middle of the night. It's dead. There's nothing going on. He's reading a magazine or something. And on the TV, they mentioned something about Stonehenge, how uh, one of the uh, rocks there mysteriously disappeared. Nobody knows how it happened. And then it cuts over to the guy running into the store. Uh, just kind of glances over that. So the guy running in, and he's at his complete last breath. You can tell this dude's been sprinting his uh, freaking head off, or his heart out, as you would like to say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so this uh, guy is looking at him, and uh, he, he says something to the gas station attendant about th they're coming, uh, and then he passes out. The man, uh, he ends up, gas station attendant puts him in his car, drives him to the hospital, and then you see the man in the suit see it happen. So he was there, completely fine, not out of breath at all, um, but he was there. So then we got Dr. Dan showing up uh, to his ex-wife's house, and he gives his kids masks. So he says, oh, I got a present for you. Both of the kids are excited. They open it up and they see that it's one of those 80s masks, like a bunny with the with stupid string, string yeah. that's going to break in two seconds. <laughs> and the kids are super disappointed by it. And the mom just proudly goes, oh, I already bought them the silver shamrock masks. What a bitch. Yeah. Yeah. Complete bitch. So uh, at this point, we have commercial number one playing in the background. And the commercial, you'll notice that this time I did not write down the amount of kills. I wrote down the amount of commercials um, <laughs> <laughs> because this commercial is something that's continually playing. It's super annoying at first, and then it's super catchy towards the middle of the movie. And then by the end, you're kind of beating your uh, you're head along. along to it. That It's the London Bridges song uh, without the lyrics, and instead it's saying how many days till Halloween. And that's super all that catchy. is. Eight more days till Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. Eight more days oh till boy. Halloween, silver shamrock. <laughs> and that eat, as you progress towards Halloween, obviously it will count down the days. It's, it's a pretty neat idea. And I was reading some trivia, and the actual reason that they used the London Bridges falling down for the silver shamrock jingle was because it was in public domain, so it was free for them to use. That's funny. <laughs> So obviously they didn't have a huge budget for this movie. They probably wanted a different jingle but couldn't afford it. So here we are. <laughs> London Bridges song. It was free. And they made it super catchy, super memorable. And uh, at this point, Dr. Dan uh, is talking to the ex-wife, super bitch. And uh, she goes, oh, I can tell you, you were drinking what a doctor you are. And then he looks down, he has a page from the hospital. He has to go in. So he was drinking, now he has to go into the hospital. Um, so now we're in the hospital, and 
the guy that he got called there for was the guy at the gas station. He's still clenching the pumpkin mask. And uh, as the doctor is talking to the nurse, like, okay, what's going on? What happened? Eight more days till Halloween. Halloween. Yeah, right in the background. <laughs> so the TV in the background kicks on and the volume it blasts for this. And there's commercial number three already. Uh, and it's uh, the, the guy sees the commercial and he starts shaking. And he starts whispering, they're going to kill us. All of us. They're going to kill all of us. It was a pretty cool little scene. He was definitely being anonymous about it, being very scared of it yes. while holding the mask from the commercial, which yes. I thought was pretty cool. Um, so from here, the man in the suit walks up to the hospital. Um, Dan goes to have a snack and take a nap. Well, flirting and, with the nurse. Yeah, grabbing the nurse's ass. Um <laughs> And they're playing a really cool score at this point where it shows the man in the suit slowly walking up and it's just a uh, very deep bass type of sound. Boom, boom. And it's slowly building up from there. It's a really cool score that they bring into this. John Carpenter always knocks it out of the park whenever he does this stuff. And I found it pretty cool that he didn't use his Halloween score at all in here. They went with a different route. I wish that... During one or two of the scenes, they would bring it in, but they didn't. And yeah, good for them for surprising. using that type of control. Um, so the man in the suit ends up going into the room where the man was staying. And he takes two fingers and pokes them into the guy's eye, squeezes them together, and then rips it out. He breaks this man's face off with one hand. I thought that the practical effects for this were awesome. When you told me during your review that you thought that the kills were not good in this movie, I think they are high. The kills are <laughs> awesome in this movie. Um, I didn't realize he broke his nose at that point. I thought he put his fingers closing his nose and hold, had his hand over his mouth and just kind of slowly suffocated him. No. It looked lame. Now that you explain that, that makes more sense. Does yeah. sound like a cool kill. <laughs> Wish I would have noticed that. Now they don't get super uh like gory with the kills in this. They're no. not over the top or anything, but they definitely imply their sound. I wish it was better during yeah. the kills because they definitely muffle it all out. It doesn't sound like you don't hear the sound of his fingers entering, but you can clearly see his fingers entering his face, squeeze together, and then pull the bones up. Really awesome, very dark. Um and as this happens, the mask falls to the floor. A cool little touch as you realize that it's room 13. Uh, has nothing to do with anything other than 13's an unlucky number, and for this man it sure was. <laughs> so the nurse sees him walk out of the room, and uh, then she looks at the person uh, and starts screaming, waking up Dr. Dan. So Dan chases the man to the parking lot without knowing what happened. Obviously, the nurse didn't say he killed him. She, she just He just knows the nurse was freaked out by this guy for some reason. Um, so he's chasing the guy out to the parking lot, and the guy instantly walks into a car, dumps gasoline all over himself, lights it on fire, kills himself, blows the car up. Awesome. Like we, I, I did like that kill. Yeah, and, and not just the fact that it was the kill, the fact that he was so committed to leaving no evidence behind that he kills himself so that way he doesn't get caught. Yeah. Really neat scene. Super impressive. Uh, very creepy, very scary. Um, and then uh, Dr. Dan calls his bitch of an ex-wife and 
tells her that he can't be watching the kids, uh, and she's freaking out. Flakes out again. Yeah, but at this point, he notices the mask on the floor. So now we're at Sunday, uh, October 24th, where we meet Ellie. Ellie comes into the hospital to identify the person who died, and it turns out that's her father. A pretty emotional scene. They don't go deep into the emotions here. I wish that she showed, excuse me, showed a little bit more emotion as it happened, but she did not. Um, she's like, oh, that's my dad dead. Oh, man, what a, what a bummer. That's <laughs> a bad Sunday. <laughs> um, it, it, it does show her cry, like have a tear in her eye later on, but it's just like, oh, my dad's dead. Okay, moving on. What's the next line? <laughs> uh, so I wish that they went a little bit deeper, but it is what it is. Dr. Dan walks out, sees her crying, but keeps walking. So now we're in the autopsy room, and Dan is talking to the lady in the autopsy room about the murder. And uh, he's very touchy-feely. He's also grabbing uh, this lady, saying that he's going to take her out for dinner and gives her a kiss. <laughs> it's like, okay. So Mr. Dan is a... Uh, ladies' man. He's a ladies' man, just not to exec ex-wife who's a bitch. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> But now you can understand why yeah, Linda's a bitch. Uh, most likely he cheated on his wife and obviously a full-fledged alcoholic. Dan yes. is not a good person. No. And they're painting that on very thick, so I thought that there would be something deeper to that character development, like it would point towards something happening in the future because maybe he was drunk and something slipped by, but no, he's he's just, just a, a drunk. drunk. Just a drunk. That's all you need to know. Dan likes his booze. <laughs> so we instantly switch over to Friday the 29th and next over Sam Rock commercial. <laughs> <laughs> Five more days till Halloween, 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 or however many it was, three days. When they went to the bar, the Halloween movie was on in the bar when they were yep. drinking. Yep, yep, and that is in this scene right here. I wrote uh, Dr. Dan's at the bar getting hammered as always when the Halloween commercial comes on, and they already call it a classic at this point, which is pretty cool. Uh, so that's one of the two ties that this has into the Halloween universe. Yeah. And it's very cool to see. I really enjoyed it. I'm sure that the people in attendance were very fucking pissed to see it because they paid to see a Halloween movie. And then the producers go, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Myers is in it. Yeah. <laughs> For a split second. Yep. It, it showed him. He was there. He had a knife. There Didn't you see him with the knife? So... <clears throat> Yep, Ellie is there, uh, and she meets Dr. Dan at the bar, getting shit-faced drunk for no reason, and she asks if her father said anything uh, to him. And at this point, he's very quick to come up with the lie to make her feel better, which I thought was pretty cool. He's like, oh, yeah, 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 that's right. He did. He said that uh, he loved he you, loved you. Uh, while he was taking shots because he could barely say it. And she said something about, oh, man, you're a nice liar, but my father would never say that. And uh, she was talking about something with the Silver Shamrock, how there was a tie there, and takes uh, Dr. Dan over to her store, um, which has all the Silver Shamrock masks for sale there. She said that she he was constantly filling them up, and then when he went to get another order or something like that, uh, he never came back. And you can tell that she was doing her research because she had this big log of, like, where he was, what he was doing. Pretty cool, I thought. Yeah, I thought she paid close attention that she was able to try to solve this. Yeah, all on her own. 
And then uh, three more days till Halloween. <laughs> Halloween. <laughs> Commercial number five kicks in. London Bridges. So Dan calls his ex again to cancel watching the kids that he promised to watch on the last phone call, which is making me stop calling his ex a bitch and start calling him a bitch because your dad watch your kids if you're supposed to. Yeah. And obviously she's getting pissed at him because he's backing out of every single opportunity to be around these two little devils. How um, do you know they're devils? They're kids. <laughs> you know. So uh, they decide that they are going to hop in a car and drive to the factory and figure out what's going on. Don't forget the six pack. <laughs> yeah, he's got one for the road. Uh, so as they're driving into this tiny little town, the whole town stops whatever they're doing when this car pulls up to watch them. Uh, as they pull past the motel, the motel owner stops what he's doing and follows the car. They pull past a farm the farmer stops and watches what they're doing pull past a house same exact thing pretty cool little way of showing that this community is all in whatever they're in together yeah there's um, cameras cameras everywhere the man in the, there's one of the guys in the suits in an alley watching it go by um so there's definitely something going on in this little town yep so they get a motel and to try and not raise suspicions, which if at this point you don't suspect anything foul, why do you need to try and stop? Uh, whatever. <laughs> so they get a hotel. They act like their husband and wife. And uh, so they can snoop out what's going on without people knowing who they really are or what they're there for. Um, so Dan goes to check into the hotel while... Ellie is talking to the person that runs it, and uh, he runs off on his own to write their name into the ledger that they're checked in, but he also looked through it and found her dad's information in there as well. So they know that their dad did check into this hotel, um, and on his way back, you find out that everybody in this shitty little town can't drive because he almost gets hit by a... uh, freaking camper the bike flies off the rack and hits him and the fam- that family introduces themselves to him uh after almost crushing him to death <laughs> um <laughs> and then from there he says okay well i gotta get back to my room and then a second freaking person almost <laughs> slams his car into him <laughs> yeah and she's there because the factory screwed up her order again so i gotta stay in this shitty town again uh so you have your people who are going to be in this movie now is those two families uh well the one family and uh the uh single person margie so from here dan finally makes it to the room and they decide okay well Let's look at things tomorrow. I just want a drink. All right, Alki. So Alki Dan goes and gets his drink. um, And then as he's walking back, there's this huge announcement going on. There's alarms going off at the warehouse at 6 p.m. It's curfew. All residents need to enter lockup. 6 p.m. It's curfew. All residents need to report for lockup. And then you see people start going into their house. You even see people grabbing their cat and bringing their cat in the house, (laughs) which I had to laugh at that. It was pretty freaking funny. Uh, There's obviously uh, no reason for it, but it was there, and I enjoyed it. So old boozy Dan over there is walking back from the alcohol, uh, the liquor store, and he's pounding booze because he can't even wait to get to the hotel room where a homeless man runs into a woman asks for some. So now they're sharing the booze, and uh, he's talking 
very poorly about uh, Mr. Cochran. He's saying that son of a bitch moved into the town, wouldn't even give me a job. Uh, he's There's something fishy going on. And he said that he's going to burn that fucking place to the ground. They're not going to be around for Halloween next year. Um, so from here, um, we flash to the homeless man going to his house after getting some booze from uh, old Boozy Dan. And uh, there are some men in suits there, and they literally rip his head off. (laughs) I didn't like it. Awesome. (laughs) I thought it was terrible. (laughs) What was terrible about it? I just, the visual, out of nowhere, one quick pull and his head's off. Yeah. But he still held on to the easy cheese. That he did. Yep. His uh, dinner was a slice of bread with easy cheese on it. (laughs) Um, now it, it was not the best practical effects. It wasn't bad, but I think what killed it is they probably got censored to where they could only show so much of it. So once again, this movie's not super gory, but it has super gruesome deaths. And this is one of them, uh, where the guy's head gets ripped clean off. I thought that it was very, very cool. Very well done. I wish that they showed more, but it is what it is. So from here, Ellie is walking around and the woman with the order problems is complaining about how they always fuck up. Oh, once they became, they were great until they became a big corporation. I said, Margie, super pushy, super annoying. Couldn't mm-hmm. wait to see the kill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, you knew she'd be on that death list, oh, and you're just sure. like, "Oh, come on, happen already." <laughs> for sure, could not wait. <laughs> I bet you old Boozy Dan and his alcoholic ways is probably thinking the same thing. Yeah. (laughs) Man, just get her already. (laughs) So from here, uh, it flashes back to Dan in the hotel room, and he calls the autopsy lady, and she says that somebody must have messed up because the results came back, and we found nothing in the evidence but plastic. Uh, No bones, no nothing. Weird. So... When he gets back to the room, Ellie is waiting in lingerie with 80, I wrote down 80s porn slash elevator music playing in the background. (laughs) I had to laugh. They barely know each other. And she packed lingerie to come ID her father's body. Yeah. And not just packed lingerie. They had one backpack sized thing of everything between the two of them. Yeah. (laughs) And that's what that was the uh, necessary things you needed. You barely know the guy, but you have lingerie and you're ready to get your freak on. Absolutely. So uh, interrupting this 80s porn slash elevator music is commercial number six, the Silver Shamrock. Three more days till Halloween, Halloween. Okay, switch the chan- Dan switches the channel back to some different uh, porn music. And then Dan asks her, after having sex twice, how old are you? What an idiot. <laughs> she says, oh, I'm old enough. What and then they mean? proceed to have sex a third time. But why would you ask after twice? Right. <laughs> like, you're already fucked if she's not. <laughs> but, you know, Alky Dan. Dan will be Dan. <laughs> that scene had me cracking up. How old are you? Oh, I'm old enough. Okay, checks That's out. <laughs> good enough. It's the 80s. <laughs> Nobody cares. <laughs> yeah, definitely would not hold up in 2022, man. Dan, yep. you would be in jail, sir, from uh, scene one where you grabbed the nurse's ass. <laughs> um, so from here, uh, we switch to the uh, Margie with the defective mask. Uh, she was bitching about how the masks are made very poorly, and that's why she's in town, to talk about the quality of the masks and how she's getting an abundance of returns. 
uh, so much that the silver shamrock will go fell off of this thing. So she notices it on the ground, and she picks it up, and on the back of it, it almost looks like a mini computer chip. So she takes uh, her hair clip out, and she starts messing with it. And she must have made contact there in some type of electrical stream because it shoots a laser beam at her fucking face. <laughs> Holy shit. When they show her face after that, it is fucked yeah. up. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was gruesome. <laughs> oh, man. Great, great, great special effects. They even had a giant locust crawl out of her mouth so and gross. into her hair. Really, really cool. Um, the, the insects and bugs is something that I don't get why it's there. You see more of that later, um, and I'll bring it up again. But I love that it's there. I just don't get why it's there, but whatever. It works. It's freaking awesome. So Dan uh, wakes up to a ton of dudes in lab coats um, outside of his hotel room. They're taking Margie out of her room. He makes sure to tell him, I'm a doctor. And Let doc- me help. Boozy Dr. Dan comes out and says, hey, I'm a doctor. He's probably slurring his words because he's shit-faced and he sucks. <laughs> but uh, they just say, oh, don't worry about it. Mr. Cochran's taking care of this. He, he's he got it. He's our man. And uh, If he so, can't do it, no one can. Yeah, Mr. Cochran, he's here to save the world, man. <laughs> so Mr. Cochran himself pulls up and tells him oh don't worry it was just a small accident we're taking her to the factory she's gonna be just fine like that would put anybody at ease right yeah the bitch whose face just got blown up small thing don't worry about it, was it. A we're taking her back to the fucking uh factory that did it <laughs> <laughs> all is well no need to panic in the hotel guys just like see isn't mr cochran the best <laughs> Somebody even said, uh, so what happened to him? Oh, it was a misfire. Uh, They obviously whispered that to where uh, Boozy Dan can't hear. Um, So now we're waking up at Saturday, October 30th, and uh, Dr. Dan calls the autopsy room, and uh, the lady over there said there was no body in the car. Something is going up here. And he asked her to look up... uh, Cochran ends up hanging up the phone and uh, it pans the video out to show that there's also a microphone in the room. So now they're, the town is listening to what he's saying. So they know that there's a conversation going between these two about uh, the person who uh, killed the guy. So the family from the hotel now pops into the warehouse for a tour uh, because the father Buddy is uh, the top salesman in the country for selling the masks. Congratulations. Yeah, you did it, buddy. Uh, and Cochran says that uh, it, well, Dan and Ellie were there as well. And he looks over to me and he's like, oh, by the way, uh, Dan, don't worry. The lady from last night is fine. We're flying her to uh, San, Francisco. San Francisco. All is good. Okay. <laughs> Glad that's settled. Yep. <laughs> Um, he wasn't really buying it, so he just played it off like, oh, good, 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 good. And they gave a front that, uh, they had, her dad had a false order or something like along those lines, and Cochran said, don't worry about it, we're going to replace your order for you free of charge. And everybody's, once again, man, isn't that Mr. Cochran the best dude ever? He is, he's just the best. Who's better? Who is better than Mr. Cochran? Nobody. He's the man. So, he... Uh, goes to give a tour of the factory to just Buddy's family, but Buddy's family invites 
Ellie. Dan and Ellie with them. So Mr. Cochran very reluctantly uh, gives them a tour as well. And uh, Mr. Cochran specifically gives Buddy Jr. a mask of his, a specific mask. Um, saying this one's already made through final processing. This one, uh, the one that he grabbed isn't ready yet. What the heck is final processing? Yeah, you figure that out later. Oh, uh, I know. Yeah, but it, and they said that too. Even the dad's like, hey, what's final processing? Oh, we can't really tell you because then you would know our secret. You're okay. a mass company. Yeah, it's a mass company. I mean, it's, it's, it's tough to see. What you do is you pour latex in a mold and then you paint it. Ta-da! processed <laughs> so as the tour finishes you see the man in suits everywhere um ellie sees her dad's car in a warehouse and uh then dr dan goes and gets more drinks <laughs> and there we, sh- we should have done a, a drinking count yeah and mr dan over there sure does like his drinks but it's all good so they're both scared and they, uh, Dan leaves to try and call the cops. Uh, and as he walks out the door, commercial number seven. Two more days till Halloween. Halloween, Two Halloween, Halloween. Halloween. Or no, one more. One more at this point. We're Saturday. They're saying make, make sure that you go out and you get your silver shamrock masks before they're all sold out. And be tuned in at 9 p.m. for the big giveaway, kids. wonder what it was. Um, well, probably something super sweet. Like, uh, you remember back in the day, I know that you didn't have cable, but Nickelodeon had a Toys R Us sweepstakes every year, and they would advertise the fuck out of this for kids. Uh, and anybody who had Nickelodeon, this was like the ultimate dream. Yeah. Two minutes in a Toys R Us star, anything that you could throw in a cart is yours. That's amazing. <laughs> like, as a kid, I would see that every year going, please, God, there's not much that I want in this world. <laughs> I want that sweepstakes, please. <laughs> that or put me on what would you do so I can get a pie in the face. <laughs> Just, either of those would be swell. So maybe that's what the prize was. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, so anyway, uh, none of the co- calls work. All, all of them just say, cannot connect. Uh, cannot connect, cannot connect. Um, and then when he gets back, the door's already open. Ellie's gone, and people with suits are now lined up outside the hotel room. There's a bunch of them, and it's a pretty neat scene. Yeah, I like that scene. The visual of, like, six, seven guys in suits all looking the same, walking towards the hotel door that was open, and Dan was in there. Yeah. That was great. And and there's actually some smart character moments here. He instantly breaks a window open, sprints out, doesn't think twice, doesn't try and shut the door behind him. Like, oh, man, this is going to really buy me some time. No, just get the hell out of there. And he does. Um, And from here, he's hiding in alleys. He's not running on the main street. Um, Ellie, there's a flash of her being taken to the warehouse. You can see her car going there, same way that her dad's car went in there. And Dan breaks into the warehouse to try and get her. So this is his redemption moment. He's not a complete piece of shit. He's trying to save her. Um, He sees an old lady uh, in the middle of a room crocheting something. And he's trying to say, where's Ellie? Where's the lady? Where'd they put her? And he's shaking her and then her head falls off. It's a robot. (laughs) So this is your first sign that uh, things aren't quite what they appear in this town. Yeah. Pretty neat little way of showing it. Um, this one must have been a prototype when they were first starting out or how Cochrane got his idea. Yeah. Um, 
because later on he mentions how expensive that was. And one of the men in the suit tackle him shortly after this. And he's fighting him off, fighting him off, and then punches him in the stomach. But his hand goes through his stomach. Yeah. Because obviously it's not real skin at this point. He pulls out like and gets yolk. a bunch of gets a bunch of wire. So yeah. it's there's not bones, it's wires. So these guys in suits are robots. Uh, from here, as soon as he finds out what's going on, Cochran shows up and like five more dudes in suits hold this guy. Extreme power, obviously. And Cochran at this point is talking about how the lady that he knocked the head off was a super antique. He's probably never going to find one again. But he's still very level-headed while he's talking to him. He's like, uh, I guess I'll see what I can do and find another one. Yeah. So now we get in our card. It's now Sunday, October 31st. Cochran's talking to him about making the robots. And he's like giving the full bad guy speech at this point. He's going to unlay his entire plan to... Dan because Dan's the man with the plan and he needs to tell him the plan so that way he continues to be the man. That reminded me of the Aladdin joke. He's our man. If he can't do it, no one can. <laughs> yeah. So Cochran takes him to the basement. He now goes into the final processing door, which is just an elevator to the basement. And then when you count, go down to the basement, you find the missing piece of stone hedges in there. And Cochran is saying, uh, that's Stonehenge is an ancient sacrificial circle, and it has powers to it. Even a small particle of it has powers. So they're showing that the final processing for this is they're putting just particles of the Stonehenge into each of the silver shamrock uh, icons and then putting that on the mask. At this point, you don't quite know what that does yet, but he said, well, maybe you need a little d demonstration and we got one coming up for you. So he sits him down in the chair, and they turn the TV on. There's a black and white TV of a room in the middle of nowhere. It's a pretty neat visual. Halloween has done this previously in the last one. I love seeing it. I don't care how many movies do it. It's a great way to show off something and then go to that room and yeah. then transition it to color. So at this point, we see the door to the room open, test room A. And Buddy's family walks in there, the dad, the mom, and Buddy Jr., who's a little dick. Um, so they sit down, and the mom's a little bit apprehensive about it, um, but she still goes in. She goes in. She wants to move the window curtains and finds out there's no window there. This is just an enclosed steel room. Yeah. And they shut the door, lock it, TV kicks on, and commercial number eight comes on. Uh Telling him, okay, kids, it's time for the big giveaway. Make sure you sit down and watch TV up close. Put your masks on. And then it starts doing the seizure thing. Uh, it's flashing on and off, flashing on and off, on and off, on and off. And then you see Buddy's mask start to, little Buddy's mask start to tighten. And melt. And uh, he's holding it like something's seriously wrong. And at this point, the mom kind of catches on and she's freaking out now. And he falls to the ground. His head is melting. Yeah. And then uh, mom faints and all these bugs, rattlesnakes and all oh. these other creatures are coming out of their little boy's head. And uh, the rattlesnake, like you're watching it from the second screen, ends up striking the dad. So all three of them are dead. The mom probably died 
from the bugs? Or? Well, she fainted, but you have to assume that the rattlesnake bit her as gotcha. well um, yeah, because yeah. there were several snakes running around in that oh, room I afterwards. Know. I don't like snakes. <laughs> so this movie has the balls to kill a, I'm assuming a nine-year-old, ten-year-old someplace in there. Pretty ballsy. Very ballsy. You don't see it very often at all in a horror movie, no. let alone a horror movie with the title Halloween that does not have Michael Myers. <laughs> what do you think is the cutoff age? Um... Well, I saw a movie with you recently with like an eight-year-old. year, eight year old. Um, Obviously, there have been plenty of movies that have kids die of natural-ish causes like cancer and stuff like, like that. Movie. I know what you meant. Uh, there's one that we'll review in the future that happens at the very end of a movie, and I think that's the youngest that I've seen. Okay. You know, you know, you know what one I'm talking about. Yes. And most people do. It's the grimmest fucking ending of any movie that I've ever seen in my life. But we'll get to that one when we get to that one. So from here, um, it comes back out through the monitor, black and white one, and Dan sees everything happen. All of them die. Uh, and now we kick off to another commercial uh Telling kids, make sure you buy your masks. Uh, masks are flying off the shelves. And it shows kids just buy the fuck out of these masks at stores, uh, left and right. And, hey, make sure you're watching at 9 o'clock for the big giveaway. And it's a pretty cool scene where it starts out in California, the town where it's from. And it shows kids with the masks on. And then there are kids trick-or-treating in New York. They have the masks on. Kids trick-or-treat in the middle of bumfuck iowa they have the masks on everybody in the united states has these masks on after you just saw what this mask does to you so at this point you know what cochran's trying to do he's trying to get all the kids either in the world or america that's not really established to be watching tv at nine o'clock when their they masks. with their masks while this video plays that's going to kill them yeah whoa i know <laughs> <laughs> what a freaking bad guy. Yeah. Dude. Uh, so from here, uh, the autopsy lady is trying to call Dan's hotel. Uh, it's obviously not going to anybody. And then you see one of the men in suit come in. He grabs a drill, drills her right through her fucking head, kills her. Uh, so they obviously found out who she was and where she's from based on the mic in the hotel room. So from here, Cochran ties Dan up and puts a mask on him and uh, explains to him, like Dan keeps asking, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? And he says, well, Halloween is a day of sacrifices. Uh, this used to be a day where uh, the streets would run, bled with, uh, run red with blood from children and animals, and I need to bring it back. Uh, so he's trying to kill as many kids as he can as a sacrifice. So he then turns the TV on. And the movie Halloween is playing, which I thought was awesome. Yeah, I thought so that was cool. that's the movie marathon that they have playing, uh, waiting for nine o'clock's big giveaway of murdering every children in the United States as the grand prize, and everybody's a winner. Um, it's like a ATM machine; everybody wins. <laughs> um, it's pretty cool. It's the point where Lori is walking over to Annie's house, so it kind of goes along with the point of the movie where we're just kind of uncovering who the bad guy really is what the bad guy is really doing and that's the part of halloween that they show 
That was neat that they chose that particular part in the movie. Yep, going to the third act. Uh, and this is going to the third act of this. So he wobbles his chair over, breaks the TV, uh, is able to uh, cut him, cut his way out of his uh, restraints. And a cool uh, thing that I saw on this in the trivia section was it took so freaking long for this scene to happen. So in this scene, he takes his mask while he's still mostly tied up and throws it up at the camera and gets it to... Um, stick. It landed on the camera. Yeah, it landed on the camera and you could kind of see through it, similar to the beginning of the first one. But the director uh, tried it at the very beginning and got a first shot, so he thought that it would go quick. They ended up shooting the scene like 60 times because they couldn't throw it at the camera. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, so, very small little thing, but I thought that it was funny to read. Um, so, from here, let's see where we're at. He escapes and goes to get Ellie. Yeah. So, uh, once again, showing that Dan is a mostly good person. Dan gets out of the building, but then still comes back into the building so that way he can get Ellie. Um, he calls his ex to tell his ex, um, get rid of the masks. Don't let the kids wear the masks. And th she thinks that he's doing it because A, he's a drunk, and B, because he's jealous. Um, because he bought the masks for the kids and they didn't want to wear them. So he thinks that he want, he needs to be the one who they wear that mask. Um, so now we got another commercial, uh, Silver Shamrock commercial. We're at number 10. And he gets to Ellie finally and she's covered in buckles. He gets her out of the buckles and they run back downstairs into the Stonehenge room. From here they have a <laughs> like a Looney Tunes moment where they go behind a cart of masks and push it up and they're hiding behind the masks. <laughs> As in like, front man, of everybody. That, that would give away more than you just running across the room that you're in front of masks. <laughs> One second. <laughs> My dog's being very jealous right now. <laughs> um, so from here, they grab a whole bunch of the silver shamrock. Uh, I... Um, coins. coins that get put on the masks and they go up in the rafters and well she does he goes over to the controls and pushes a bunch of buttons and now commercial number 11 the commercial plays again but before it's supposed to so he starts throwing the uh, silver shamrock coins down and Cochran sees him and starts clapping uh, and then all of the coins start exploding and killing people and doing what they're supposed to do because the commercial's playing. So now all the robots that are downstairs are dead, and there was a ton of them, robots and scientists. And then they empty the box out, and then it's enough of them to create a sacrificial circle which connects to Stonehenge, which ends up killing Cochran and blowing the plant to smithereens right before Dan and Ellie get to have an 80s uh, cop movie moment where they get to run away from it while it's exploding. <laughs> this is the only time that I thought that the CGI was bad in the movie, oh. and it, it was bad. The CGI uh, was really bad. In the 80s, they were not good at exploding scenes. Um, so from here, uh, they're driving away, and Ellie becomes one of the robots. She tries choking them as they're driving away, 
uh, he smashes her head off, and then there's a pretty cool Evil Dead moment where he goes to shut the door, but her arm was ripped off, so now her arm comes alive and tries to choke him. <laughs> Is she a robot uh, the whole time? No. So that's what she was in the table for. It was an operating table, and uh, they made her from a person into a robot. Now which, I understand. Very dark to think of. Yes. So now... Um, Dan runs away. Her body is still like clicking on the ground. It's still pretty much alive, but she's dead. She's been dead. Um, and he makes it to the gas station from the beginning of the movie. Um, and he looks at his watch and there's only one minute till nine o'clock. They're about to air these commercials across the United States and kill all these kids. So he gets in touch with somebody at, uh, one of the, television networks and gets them to take it off the air and then gets them to take it off of channel two across the air and then he's searching through and then channel three is still playing it so he missed it so they ended this movie with the silver shamrock uh commercial playing and he could not stop it cochran's plan went through creepy credits roll (laughs) so how many kids in america died a lot a lot because this is the most popular halloween costume and it's the three most popular halloween costumes and all the kids are tuned in to try and win this grand prize yeah so a lot of kids died super dark ending awesome i loved it i liked the ending yeah uh i'm a little bit disappointed that you didn't like the movie more but i mean that this is one of the most divisive uh movies in the halloween franchise so it doesn't shock me that you don't there's a lot of people that don't like it um you are definitely not one of the only ones but i i loved it i'm gonna continue to watch this movie a whole bunch of times i highly suggest that you check it out make up your own opinion um i think if i watch it again i could probably like it more yeah knowing what it is right yeah not going in blind yeah, to me, I I did watch this a little bit too much after I finally discovered it because I, I found what I thought was like a hidden gem. Not many people were talking about this movie and for reasons that are obvious now after seeing it. But uh, this will be something that's in my yearly rotation of movies to watch in the month of October. And definitely glad that I have in my arsenal now. So everybody, thank you very much for tuning in. I'm Phil. And I'm Stacy. We'll see you next time. Thanks.